This is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. I'm Reverend J. Stewart Glover, and you are listening to Faith Talk. Through our dialogue together on this platform, we aim to draw relevancy from the biblical text while bringing clarity to our own religious experience. I'm glad to speak with you today because there's a lot of conversation going on around identity. My topic today, in fact, is are some churches and some Christians wrestling with an identity crisis? Are some churches, some Christians wrestling with an identity crisis? So in our contemporary society, there is a lot of dialogue around the issue of identity. People are boldly claiming to identify as this or that. People are bringing much attention to the topic of gender identity and expression. People are making much to do about their political identity. But today I stopped by to make some noise about the Christian believer's identity. So of course, in in our talk, we must consider who God is and who God is to us and who we are in relation to God. I think it's only fair that I kind of define some terms that I'm using today. Identity, for me, in this context involves the experiences, relationships, beliefs, value, theology, and tradition that make up a person's sense of self and that lead to to their expression, their self-expression. And crisis, in this context, speaks to uncertainty. For me, better yet, The crisis is missing the mark relative to our high calling because of our being misled, misinformed as to who God is and who we are in God's eyes. I'm not here to condemn the faith community. I just want to provide a a word of encouragement. And that word of encouragement comes from the scripture. In Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, verses 10 through 12, reads in this way. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me... No God was formed, nor will be there one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed I, and not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Well... If there was any confusion about who we are, 
the scripture that I just read brings us great clarity. It informs us richly. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord. So what is a witness? We know what a witness is. What is the function of a witness? How do we witness? Is it a simple telling? Or does it include being or living in a way that reflects or mirrors God? Now a witness's testimony should be accurate instead of misleading and being a false testimony, which in fact is a lie. So the people of Israel were eyewitnesses they were witnesses to God's activity and they experienced this activity. And because of that, they could share what they had seen and heard and experienced with others. The prophet reminds them that you are my witnesses. And I believe that we should be reminded of that today. Using a court trial as an example, the witness is one who's called upon to offer testimony. Testimony as to what they have seen, heard, or experienced relative to the case being tried. The role of a witness is very important. It is very important for the witness to accurately reflect what they have heard, seen, or experienced. A witness may be a character witness, one who testifies to a person's character either being bad or good. A witness may be a professional witness, such as a doctor, a criminologist, a forensic scientist, or an expert in some other field, offering testimony to the court. In the case of the Christian believer, we are to offer our testimony to the world as to our experience with God, as to what the Word says, as to our Christian experience, our experience with God. We can offer testimony as to what we have heard through the Scripture, what we have heard that guides our value system, that guides our decision-making process that should guide our lifestyle. I know that we can offer testimony of how God has transformed our lives and delivered us from the power of sin, strengthened us so that we can live lives that are productive and, and pleasing in God's sight. I know I can. But it is equally as important to know that our witness is not solely offered through our talking, our teaching and preaching. Our witness is also offered through the way we live our lives, through the moral principles that we stand for, through our pursuit of love, justice, and peace prevailing in this world. So that is why when analyzing the effectiveness of our witness, that we should ask ourselves the question, what are we modeling ourselves after? And what are we assimilating towards? 
Well, it was once said that the oppressed often desire to be or to become like the oppressor. I see a lot of uh, high praise and worship in the church, which is beautiful. I see a lot of high fashion, which is also very beautiful and appealing to the eye. But is this the end of the story? Because I also see the hiding or the closing of our eyes to the suffering of people around us. So the question becomes, what are we modeling ourselves after? Is it the teachings of the historical Jesus or is it something else? So, so far the scripture said that you are my witnesses. Then it says, and my servant. So we are called not only to be a witness, to tell the story, to be the story, to be a witness to the story, but we are called to servanthood. <laughs> what is a servant? The word servant, by the way, the, the word deacon comes from that. It really, in its simple form, means one who ministers to the needs of others. One who is not ignoring the needs of others, but one who is appointed to attend to the needs of others and desiring the well-being of others. God's desire is their well-being. And God will use the servant to accomplish his will, to bring his desire to pass in this life. So how do we serve God? Well, one way, we just talked about it. We can serve God through our service to others. The question becomes, are we willing to serve others? Or are we so preoccupied with the model that we're assimilating to that we become self-centered? Now, I believe in prosperity. I believe that God prospers our lives holistically, mind, body, spirit. But as God prospers us economically, are we selfish, self-centered as we are prospered? If so, how does that give God the glory? If we're not willing to help someone who's coming up the rough side of the mountain. How does that give glory to God? If we're willing to close our eyes to the suffering of others, we are missing the mark. We are experiencing wrestling with an identity crisis. The gifts of God are given for the body, for the building up of our community. The scripture goes on to say, not only are they witnesses, called as witnesses, not only are they servants, but the word says, whom I have chosen. God chose Israel to accomplish his will during that time. 
He chose them. They did not choose him. And in the same way, God chose to love us before we chose to love him. I can say that for myself. I'm a witness. God loved me before I loved him. Some folks say they found God in their life. They need to be reminded that God was never lost. We were the ones that were lost. God has been knocking on our door for a long time. He's still knocking. So yes, we are also called, just like Israel, to accomplish the will of God in this world. That's why we are referred to as the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet. And God will use us to bring love, justice, and peace into this world. And he said that he chose them so that, chose us, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. So God desires us to know him and to be in an intimate relationship with him. So how do we get to know God? Well, knowing God comes through a variety of sources of revelation. You can look at the sun, the moon, and the stars and see the presence of God. You can see the activity of God. You can sense the majestic splendor and the glory of the Lord through creation. God's revelation through nature. You can receive God's revelation through the word of God, which tells you all about God and who you are in relation to God. The revelation, I use the word revelation. What do I mean by that? I mean that God's self-disclosure towards humanity is found in the word of God. Reveal. God reveals who he is through his word and who you are in relation to him. So it says that he chose you so that you may know him. And knowing him comes through the revelation, through the, the beauty of the universe. It comes through the beauty and the truth in his word. And it also comes, his revelation will come to you experientially. And he says that you may know and believe me. And why do we believe? Part of why we believe is because as we walk along our faith journey, we experience God's grace. And after a while, you begin to trust it because God has a track record with you. You can look back on how God has blessed you every day. And you believe and trust. And understand that I am he. It's not someone else. It's God who's active in your life. God desires for us to know him and to be in an intimate relationship with him. The scripture goes on to this say, goes on to say, before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed, I, 
and not some foreign God among you. So why was it so important that the prophet delivering the word of the Lord would talk like this? Before me, no God was formed. There is no, apart from me, there is no savior. No one was formed before me, no one after me. I am not, not some foreign God among you that's speaking through this prophet. It's not a foreign God that brought you out of Egypt, brought you through the desert. No, it's God, the great I am. These texts speak to the monotheistic reality of a sovereign God. And in the face of Babylonian, Greek, and other traditions that worship multiple gods, God was declaring through the prophet, there is but one. And we are witnesses to this. People were making the mistake of worshiping creation, the sun, the moon, and the stars, and making gods out of what God has created. People were making things with their hands that they could worship and bow down to and God was saying no it's not that it's me I'm the one who's doing this for you I heard a preacher joke a little bit one day about somebody who was uh, had a statue in their house that they claimed was God and they were cleaning the house and they would have to dust off the statue and pick up the statue and move it around while they cleaned up the surface that was on. And the preacher said, listen, I need a God that picks me up and cleans me off, not me picking up God and cleaning him off. So the text ended with, you are my witnesses, declared the Lord. That's how it started. You are my witnesses. And then it ended with, emphasis on you are my witnesses. So if there's any confusion as to who we are and what we're supposed to do as the church, I think this is a good portion of scripture to look at and to pray with as we seek clarity, as we draw relevancy from the biblical text and bringing clarity to our own religious experience. Take a look at Isaiah 43 verses 10 to 12. I'm not telling you what to do today. I'm not condemning the church. All I'm doing is inviting us all to prayerfully re-examine our theology and our practice. Take another look at the image of God that we have created. Revisit our image of self in relation to God and how can we be a better, a more effective, a more accurate witness to the God that we serve. After all, we are ambassadors of Christ. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. So let us continue to strive towards God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. As we revisit these issues, who we are in Christ and who God is to us, perhaps we can be led to the appropriate response. Perhaps we can be more careful about what we assimilate towards and who and what we're trying to be like in this world. You know, they say the church is starting to look more like the world. The world is impacting the church more than the church is impacting the world. So again, I'm not condemning the church. I I love the church. I'm just bringing a, a message of hope and encouragement for us to 
to, to revisit the, the image of God that we've created. And I pray by the Holy Spirit that we are led to an appropriate response, that we are act in a way that is consistent with our high calling to be God's witnesses. So now you have been listening to Faith Talk, and I certainly thank you for being part of our listening community. I thank you for joining the people around the world who have, who have joined in and, and as part of this listening community. Please visit the website at www.reverendjstuartglover.com and leave your comments on these episodes, which are certainly open for criticism. I would love to hear from you. On that website, you can also register as a guest. You can contact me directly by email. You can leave me a voicemail. You can look at the blog sections. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.